Today on Jam Session, we're digging into the biggest topics of the week. We are talking about President-elect Harris. We are talking about Army Hammer. We're going back to the Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde story. Let's dig in. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. With real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says, Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus. View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Today, we will be digging into quite a few stories. We've got a follow-up on Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles. We'll talk about why Army Hammer was trending, which is still very opaque in general. Um, Some other odds and ends, but let's start with the latest controversial Vogue cover, which really Mm -hmm. should not have been controversial. Um, The February cover is Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, and there has been a lot of conversation around the photo they chose because the photo that ended up on the print cover was not the photo that the vice president-elect's team and Vogue mutually decided upon. And apparently there was a change. Well, I'm going to... Eh. That's actually misnomer number one. And I think that's oh, like... good. So that, that actually doesn't matter, ultimately. Um, and the fact of the matter is, and let's start with the big picture here. There were two photographs taken, both by Tyler Mitchell, um, who is the photographer who photographed Beyonce in, I believe, 2018 and was in 2018 the first black photographer ever to shoot a Vogue cover, which says a lot right there about yes. Vogue and its history with uh, black creators and black women on its cover. Um So there were two photographs taken and the photo that was chosen for the, the, the print cover, the physical issue is a more casual photograph. You see vice president elect Harris kind of in, in full, you kind of like from head, from head to toe. And you see her in Converse sneakers, which was like a, a major feature of her campaign and something that, you know, people liked about her. It's a less formal photograph. She is, um, she looks a little surprised. She's kind of clasping her hands. You know, it's like, it is just, it, it looks like an inside shot. If you read Vogue at all, and we'll try not to get too like magazine-y in the weeds because I think that ultimately like detracts from what's going on here and no one really cares. But you can imagine it like you're reading a profile of the vice president-elect 
And this is kind of like two thirds of a page in the corner. And it's like the behind the scenes photo. Yeah. And she, you know, it's like, it's cool. This is, this is what she, what she likes. Um, and there's, there's a place for that. And I kind of enjoy that photography, but for some, the other thing that we should note about that photograph is that there's a green backdrop and a, um, it's like green and curtain. Pink. Right. And those are the colors inspired, um, by her Howard University sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha. So there is kind of some, you know, th- there is thought going into this. And the story is that um, Vice President-elect Harris, the long sentence, I'm looking forward to dropping the elect on that one, uh, is was involved in that concept and helped pick out her own clothes and is wearing some of her own clothes. So it, it's a nice photo, but it's not Does it have the gravitas of, a, of the cover? Exactly. It's not a photo befitting the first woman vice president in our country, the first black woman vice president in our country, the first woman of color vice president in our country on the cover of Vogue, which is significant in and of itself because Vogue, whatever its history, which we alluded to, and, you know, it's a, it's a complicated history uh, with black women, with politicians on the cover, um, but it's still, it's an occasion and it's a you know, a moment of significance. And this photo seemed to undermine that significance. Um, And I think Robin Givan, who is a Pulitzer Prize winning fashion journalist, and she writes for the Washington Post, kind of wrote it best. She wrote a great piece for the Washington Post, where she was just like, it's too familiar um, for, for what this is. This is a moment and this is a collector's item. And uh, the vice president elect deserves something better. And, and black women and people who consume uh, Vogue and the significance of a Vogue cover deserve something better. So that is, that's like the big thing. Sure. Could you, could you clarify the other part though? Sure. Like I, what, yeah. So, so I think, we got, we got all that. What, so yeah, what did yeah, actually yeah. happen? So what happened is, is that Anna Winter picked the wrong cover. Um, and like that, that always happens. So like that is, and you know, there have is been, it, is it, is it common though? I think it is common for the subject and the magazine to discuss what they're going to pick. Right. Um, I think that a subject of vice president elect Harris's stature, um, could have some information, mm-hmm. but no, in fact, it's like that, that doesn't happen. It's the magazine's it. choice always. And kind of, it was interesting to watch this roll out and for, Unfortunately, I was back on Twitter last week. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I I had not been reading Twitter and that had been a great decision. And then given the events, just like the outrageous uh, events at the Capitol, I started uh, following along to try to know what was going on. And so I kind of watched this unfold a little bit on Twitter over the weekend. And it it did originally seem to be a thing because people who don't totally know how this work well, Yasher Yasher Ali yeah. tweeted out that right. the, like what I what I said basically is yeah. that they had agreed on one and then it was changed without like the vice president's knowledge. Right. So I think a couple of things are happening there. He definitely has a source in the vice president elects camp. Yeah. Um, who is communicating that they were um, displeased with the choice, and that is like a hundred percent valid. And I think they were not the only people who were displeased and disappointed by the choice. And so that's being seated. But then he also reported that they mutually agreed upon it. And it was like a betrayal. Right. And there is a difference between the the cover that was expected and, you know, like there was nothing written. And it's my like I have never heard of anyone, any magazine guaranteeing someone total cover 
approval. It's just kind of, it's like not how it works. And if you, if you think about it, especially in terms of the cover is the, the major advertising vehicle as much for the magazine. And there are so many other things that have to go on it, like cover lines and other stuff. Yeah. So they just aren't giving, um, someone else approval over that. I have no doubt that everyone thought the other photo would be the cover and that they were surprised and disappointed. And that is like entirely valid. And again, I think like, was it like written and was there a deal as sort of like beside the point? Um, Because ultimately Vogue should just make the right decision. Yeah. Um, And it's kind of baffling that they didn't make the right decision. You know, the other thing that's- The other other cover was um, her in a powder blue suit which was just like in- incredibely elegant and um, like it's like a just like a beaming smile and also like a lot of people comment it's like just like lit very differently the emphasis is so much more yeah. on her face and um, just sort of like putting this woman in into context as like really powerful and important and did the other the much more familiar photo didn't have that feeling right it's stately which yeah. fits someone who is about to take a state office it does look more like a photo that you would see in like a federal office which but like that's fine that's it what it seemed, should be um, a, yeah it seemed like a, a commentary also on um suffragette white like moving it like kind of ad- advancing it to like powder blue and and it, it just had a, it had a lot more symbolism to it i mean i understand there's more literal symbolism in representing her sorority and, and her converse and the one that Vogue ended up choosing. But I think like for the historical moment, the one in the powder blue suit just seems so much more fitting of the moment, as you said. Yeah. I think another thing that is interesting and also ultimately doesn't matter, because again, this is like the cover of Vogue only matters as a symbol and as a, like an image and, um, you know, it is, it, Vogue is an institution, and I think that that's why a vice president-elect would be willing to do it. There has never been a vice president-elect on the cover before, because there hasn't been a woman vice president-elect. Um, there have been first ladies, but, you know, it is very different to have a woman on the cover. As, again, it's like she is in office. Yeah. So, and I think that's why you would do it, even though, you know, historically, uh women politicians in fashion magazines, like always gets really complicated because if you're, people have a lot of different expectations and should you be in a, in a suit, should you be trying to look, you know, political, should you be trying to do the fashion aspect? You know, it like, it always, you can't please everybody, but the reason to do it is for that moment of like, of announcement and grandeur and to, to be in that suit looking with a big smile and just being like, this is the vice president elect. This is like a really big deal. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so the, the choice to do the other one is confusing to me. I, I should say, or like, you know, Anna Winter before the covers were released and before the scandal did a podcast with Kara Swisher. Um, and it was released and Kara Swisher reached back out to her for a statement that was given. So I'm just, I will read the transcript of this statement that Anna Winter gave that I believe it's, you know, kind of in the intro. We have heard and understood the reaction to the print cover. And I just want to reiterate that it was absolutely not our intention in any way to diminish the importance of the vice president elect's incredible victory. We want nothing but to celebrate vice president elect Harris's amazing victory and the important moment this is in America's history and particularly for women of color, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
When the two images arrived at Vogue, all of us felt very, very strongly that the less formal portrait of the vice president-elect really reflected the moment that we were living in, which we are in the midst, as we still are, of the most appalling pandemic that is taking lives by the minute. And we felt to reflect this tragic moment in global history, a much less formal picture, something that was very, very accessible and approachable, really reflected the hallmark of the Biden-Harris campaign. I, like, that's just flat wrong. That's just yeah. reading the room totally wrong. That's really weird. Yeah, and that's the takeaway and that they just really messed up that decision and it's a disappointment. I think it's also, I find particularly weird. Like I've, n- I've never been a Vogue reader. I've never like read a, an issue of Vogue, but I, I find it particularly weird because like as just like a, a casual consumer of the covers and like Vogue culture, mm-hmm. I, I can't like, I, I've never thought to myself like, yes, they really love to capture the moment by going informal when it makes sense. Like I've never once thought that like, there's always like a drama, there's always a drama to a, a Vogue cover. And I, I don't mean like behind the scenes. I mean like the photos themselves capture dramatics because that's part of the brand and so it's like particularly strange and that's where I think the like um unconscious bias and like implicit racism really comes into play is that like the one time that seemed like a interesting choice to to the people at Vogue to make was with a woman of color um the vice president-elect who is half Indian identifies as half Indian half black like it's just fucking strange and I think that speaks a lot to unconscious bias 100 percent I, I like, I think that that is, is really it. And there's a huge history of that at Vogue as yeah. we have discussed over the last year. And obviously the last like many years. Um, and it's just a real shame. Yeah. It's like, it really is. It's, it's just like really hard to comprehend. Especially because she's just like, her smile is, is like, she's got a megawatt smile and then the powder blue suit photo. It just like perfectly captures it. I mean, it's just super, super strange. What a, what a debacle. Yeah. It, it's not it's just, great. And, and the, and how it was rolled out with the image leaking and kind yeah. of the, all of the, the confusion was also not great. I have a question and, for you. Yeah. Do, do you think that Vogue decided to like do a quote unquote digital cover after the, um, the, the critique or was that always the plan? I don't know. And I think it's important to say what you don't know, because uh, I really, as we've learned, get miffed when people are talking about things that they don't know. I, digital covers but have they, are- Does Vogue do digital covers? Yeah. Yeah. And digital covers are increasingly common, though, again, this is one where- The other interesting thing here is that if you you know look at the whole, the spread, and you read the piece, uh, which was written by Alexis Okeowo- and you notice that there are only two photographs, right, mm-hmm. from this thing. So that's unusual in Vogue land. Um, and I, that signals to me that there were, it was a limited amount of time, which great because Vice President-elect Harris has other things to do. And a Vogue undertake, you know, shoot is usually a very long involved process. And so they they were focused. And I think it seems like they were only doing cover tries. Right. And they had like two options. So I don't know. I I think probably these photos were taken, hopefully, you know, one option and a backup. And then they just kind of rushed them both off. That would be my best guess. But I obviously 
don't totally know. And by the way, like the, they didn't have that much time is no excuse. Vogue has one job. It's to like make a good cover. <laughs> it just like, that's, that's they had all a good you cover. do. They just didn't pick it. Right. And it's, and it's hard by the way, listen, I think anyone who has ever tried to take a photo shoot at home, you've seen all of the truly ho- horrible photos on your own phone. Like it, it is hard to take a good yeah. photograph, but it's, it's Vogue. It's their only job you know, get the good photographs and pick the right one. Yeah, I know. And that's the thing is they, they did, they did get a good photograph. They just didn't pick it. <laughs> it's, oh it's, my like, goodness. it's so, it's so bizarre. It's, it's a real, you had one job situation. And yeah. I think what it indicates about like unconscious bias and how they just, you know, deal with black subjects and how they have for a long time, everything you said is spot on. And that's the real issue. And that's a real shame. And it's just also a shame that you know, this is like a collector's edition for a lot of people. I think people still do like buy, I still buy magazines and it it is a moment of significance. Um, and I don't know, it just doesn't make sense. No, it's, it's botched. It's fully botched. Like the television show on E. Um, well do better next time, Vogue, if you get it next Mm -hmm. time. I mean, if I'm Kamala Harris, I'd be like, well, see you never Vogue. Um, Especially because she's done other covers that have gone a lot better. Like the a lot of people pointed to the L one like almost immediately, which was yeah, the a Inez nice- and Venude, like they're they're black and white and kind of portraits. Yeah, those those were nice. Although even it's interesting, like the photo that's on the cover, it's like she's in a she's in an office chair. It is slightly more she's casual, yeah, than the like kind of the portraits that are in the in the magazine. Yeah, I think you know. This is again not to excuse Vogue, and it's like, and it's the wrong time, as you said, and using Vice President-elect Harris as the as the person is like the wrong person. But all magazines are trying to kind of update what a magazine and what a magazine cover is right now because like no one goes to a newsstand anymore. Um, just like think about the last time I, you have more interaction with newsstands in New York, but I like have not seen a newsstand in over a year. <laughs> like, I just like, I don't, I don't know where to find one in Los yeah. Angeles. Let me know. Yeah. I'd love to support it. So I, there is just like a, like a rethink and you can kind of see that like design wise and, and styling wise, but was not the time. Truly. This episode is brought to you by eBay authenticity guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewelry that makes you look like the gem sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly when it comes to style and luxury ebay gets it they're making sure the things you love are checked by experts not just any experts specialized experts real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience so when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee shop with confidence every inch stitch sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, 
brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Um, okay, let's move on to far weirder and also incredibly opaque situation. Army Hammer was trending on Twitter and like making the rounds on the gossip internet because Dumois posted screenshots of texts that allegedly um, claimed that Army Hammer liked to drink blood of women that he hooked up with. Was it Dumois originally? Oh, I thought it was. Was it not? I, I don't totally know. So let me just say right here, because I just gave a whole speech about like how I can't stand it when people who don't know what they're talking about are talking. And I want to be very clear up front. This is a very murky situation and we like don't <laughs> totally know what's going on. It's really confusing. And it's like, and it's very confusing even to try to research it and understand what was happening because um, I have to assume this is for legal reasons, but like this hasn't, there haven't been a lot of roundups, you know, no. there aren't a lot of like blog posts about this and certain publications are just totally avoiding it, which yeah. is interesting to me. I think that's because, so there were, there were screenshots you said of DMs. Yeah. So Glamour, Glamour said that they were on a couple of Instagram accounts and then Dwight okay. Dumois posted them, but okay. the original posters, um, to, like went private or took them down. Right. And Army Hammer has been like a major Dumois focus since the beginning. That's in fact yeah. how I personally found out about Dumois because my friend Marissa Meltzer was a follower and would send me like the possibly fake Army Hammer DMs. So he's like a staple. <laughs> it's like a core audience. Right. And even back then it was like, are these real? Are these not? How do we know? And these seem a little weird. And, you know, DMs are obviously incredibly easy to fake. Oh, yeah. Um, Incredibly. So these were posted and two things happened at once. A lot of people were like, are these real? Are these not? We have no way of knowing. And so the, the, the posts that do aggregate this are all just like alleged DMs and they haven't been verified. That's like kind of the whole thing. And then everyone else is like, does that say cannibal in the DM? And then just <laughs> went nuts. And so like my wild ride on Twitter this weekend, I caught the whole like, you know, was there an agreement with Vogue uh, conversation? And also just a bunch of people just being like, Army Hammer is a cannibal. What's happening? So like the, the content of the DMs was quite surprising to a lot of people and had a lot of word of you know kind of buzzwords and things you don't normally see in DMs from celebrities and set off like a whole Twitter storm like kind of pretty separate from the Dumois Army Hammer stand yeah. 
ecosystem, right? It like, crossed over to like to to another piece of people online who care about celebrity gossip. Right. But who also aren't like, is this real? Is it not? They're not invested in like the mechanisms or really like don't care yeah. about Army Hammer at all. It just like it became a meme. It became like jokes. It became a lot of people being like, again, excuse me, does that say cannibal? Which is like very surprising. <laughs> so I just I want to reiterate a few things. Number one, we have no idea if these are real or not. And we'll come back to that. Number two, I'm not really interested in like kink shaming anybody for anything. And I also, you know, how these were shared and the timelines and like in, in what context and who is consenting to want is another thing that like is very unclear. And so I, I don't know, um, you know, I like, as always you, you want people who are in vulnerable positions, like to be protected and you send them your best. So that's, that's kind of where I am with that. Um, I don't, Army Hammer's team has not commented on this. It's not been in like, I, do, I don't think I've seen a page six or a TMZ report about it, which like is pretty interesting. Um, it really was just sort of like a hashtag. And then I think the third thing that we should note is that Monday, the writer Jessica Siensen Enriquez, who like was photographed with Army Hammer this fall. So like maybe they were dating or not. Again, it was like not a thing where we didn't have any confirmation. But she tweeted out, if you are still questioning whether or not those Army Hammer DMs are real, parentheses, and they are, maybe you should start questioning why we live in a culture willing to give abusers the benefit of the doubt instead of victims, the thinking face emoji, and then trigger warning sexual violence. And then now her account is private. And I think her account is private because like the Army Hammer stands have gone at her. So uh-huh. that's another vector of this as well. And the the army hammer stands, there's at one point there was a screenshot that was going around that was um allegedly of the woman who originally posted them saying they were fake, but then other people were saying that those that image was fake and photoshopped by the army hammer stands. And so it's there. It's very confusing. It's like very confusing. There's no clarity. Candidly, I don't know why I know any of this. <laughs> like, I, you know, and I say that as someone who is a, has been a huge Army Hammer fan. I'm 6'5", 220, and there's two of me. And who is really interested in celebrity gossip and the mechanism of celebrity gossip and, you know, interrogating how we like... Uh, power really dynamics in relationships and in celebrity fame and also like how we learn about things. I'm interested in all of this and I just don't know why I know any of this. I'm overwhelmed. I think this one is just like um, the most pernicious outcome of unverified celebrity rumors just circulating on the internet and like outside of actual like fatalities and, and, crimes and and whatnot but like this is sort of like i i think for both of us why we're like this is this is why we don't really appreciate anonymous accounts that that circulate such such sensational information and it's not because like we want to give army hammer the benefit of the doubt but it's just like for everyone possibly involved this is unproductive at best and like incredibly traumatic at worst and really sort of like gets at the problem with like unverified information. I mean, you know, obviously like if Army Hammer is a cannibal seems like a completely like 
frivolous question to ask in the face of other things happening right now, but it's not unrelated, right? Like the same way information is is circulating to organize riots on the Capitol is like, this is a a, a much less violent um, situation. But just like the point about the army hammer stands is like, there's just like this kind of like misinformation is used to like galvanize hordes of people. And it's really, it's, it's dangerous. Uh, it's just like so appalling into so, like army hammer cannibal being like trending topics is so astonishing. We're just like, how the fuck did we get here? Yes. I, I think you're exactly right. It, it feels in a lot of ways, like the natural conclusion of, of Jimwa and anonymous unverified, like, let's, I don't know, let's just see. Um, which, you know, I think we should be really clear is very different from um, people sharing things that happen to them. And I, and I don't want to conflate those two things. And I think people like might try to, and if they do, they don't get a seat at the big case table. Um, But there is just this sort of information matters where you get the information matters, who's accountable for the information matters. That's what we've learned this week these past four years in our entire lives, in the history of the United States, like know your sources and, and know, ask about what you're being told and expect it to be true. And, 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 and I just, this just seems like the silliest possible conclusion. And it's like, well, I, you know, again, I, I don't want to dismiss anyone's experience or any yeah. like astonishing. Like I, I don't mean to, I, I think the, like, army hammer cannibal trending on Twitter that was so dissociated from anything that was going on. And it was just, you know, it was a punchline that was pretty silly. And that is like, that is what happens when everyone is, it's it's just in a free for all. Yeah. And it just feels like the the half-life of a story is shorter than ever. And like the, we got from, you know, it's funny hearing you mention like when you when Demois first came into your world, because I, I know when it was. We did a podcast about it. It was in August. It was six months ago, not even. And so it's so crazy that we feel like we've been on this roller coaster that we think is on the downward trajectory of of that coaster. And it's just so crazy how quickly these things escalate and morph. And like it's it's very hard to not interpret everything, all of the inputs outside of the COVID lens, which is also tied to the Trump lens, but like everything just feels so freighted. And I think that this army hammer situation is like absurd for all the reasons you highlighted and also dangerous for the reasons you highlighted and then amplified by like just the the current climate of like information, um, transfer. And it's like, it's just like so strange. It's really (laughs) hard to like, to not go into the darkest parts of these stories because things just feel very dark right now. Completely agree. And I was reflecting as we started to record this podcast that everything that we're going to talk about is like something that people just kind of went very negatively about online. And in some cases, that's really deserving as in Vogue's decision to just pick the wrong cover. They just picked the wrong cover and people were like, what are you doing? That's totally valid. But every single one of these which is kind of unusual for us and for jam session. We like try to yeah. go to enthusiasms. This is a place to like share what we're excited Be about. Light. It's a, yeah. Yeah. It's like a, I mean, it's like a safe space and a chatty space, but um, the way that everyone is being chatty right now is just by like having meltdowns about everything on the internet. And that's like 
that is like collective and that's the meltdown that is um, like in aggregate have your opinions. And also like a lot of opinions are really valid and sharing opinions are valid, but it does just feel like the mode. And you understand why the mood is like this because of everything that is happening in the world. Yeah. But just like, just logging on and, and, and letting it all out. Totally. And right before we started recording, you, me and Erica, we're, our producer, we're discussing Bridgerton because it's still number one on Netflix. And I do think it's like two ends of the spectrum. It's like super intense angry and accusatory or extremely colorful and frothy and like nothing in between. And Bridgerton remains number one on Netflix, which Mm -hmm. is it it, like over the weekend, it was like the fifth most successful or most watched Netflix show of all time. I bet it will climb as the, as the weeks keep going. Every woman I know has watched it or heard about it. Like at least has heard about it. And in a lot of men too. Yeah has heard about it. I, though, interestingly, I, I have not had a lot of conversations about it, which is not to say that it's not being watched, but it also seems really separate. Like everyone just like, there's the, all the things that, you know, we, I don't even want to say get angry about because that like sounds dismissive and I'm not trying to like, I'm angry. I, I have, I have some complaints sure. as everybody knows, but there is like all of like the outrage and our and all of our feelings, and then we just all like go in quiet to watch Bridgerton solo. Yeah, that's kind of that's my life anyway. <laughs> totally. I um, I've had so many people text me about it. I have like a lot of group chats about Bridgerton, and everyone agrees that Daphne's bangs are a crime, just absolutely awful. So there's no way around it. Regency England. What were you doing with hairstyles? You know, <laughs> not flattering at all. No. Do you you do know that you get the text in large part because you're just like a, a Shonda, uh, a leading light in the Shonda fan space? Not with my childhood friends, though. That's just okay. like a that's just like a a discussion group. It's just it's just ongoing. Okay. Do they understand what's happening on Bridgerton? Um, they just don't like it. None of none of my camp friends like it. Okay. But they all I, watched it. I just didn't really understand what was going on, but I, I've been learning a bit that that's on me. Like our producer, Erica was like, yes, Amanda, I could follow it. And I enjoyed <laughs> it. And I was like, well, okay. My attention span has been elsewhere. So I, I take responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's move on. Slightly lighter, but like also just kind of troubling. Um, the relationship of Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde's, the timeline continues to be litigated by various parties um, in the press. In the week since last discussed, the timing of the dissolution of Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis has come into question. There's been a report from his camp that he did not know until he knew that Olivia Wilde wanted out. And crucially, that is said to be in October, which we had been led to believe it was at a different time earlier in 2020. I don't really care who knew what when, but I, 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 you know, in true jam session fashion, do find the PR machinations here um, incredibly titillating. And um, it also feels like a safe space to be like, have my jaw agape because of all the other stuff we talked about. Um, And I'll just say my, like my personal uh, just sort of like, I'm just so surprised at, at the continued strategy we're seeing deployed. Not that, not that it's good or bad, just the fact that it's being deployed at all. It just seems like there's such a concerted effort happening here on all parties. And I kind of like, I kind of can't get over it. I find it wild. 
Hi, good pun. Um, <laughs> I absolutely agree. I just want to say in between, like, I think every day there were 18 million stories, but there was a new like volley from one of the camps and yeah. they both tried the Jason sit like, one camp tried Jason Sudeikis is like very surprised. And then the other tried, like they've been split up for like a year, you know, it's been going back and forth. But at one point the Harry Styles, Olivia Wilde camp definitely also tried the Harry Styles is livid that the details of his relationship leaked online and that he was photographed at a very public wedding. I mean, come on guys, yeah. like, it's, have some respect for the people who are giving you so much attention and promoting your new movie in real time and also promoting yourselves. Like, please know that we understand that you guys coordinated this bit and then we'll follow along on the who broke up with who when or whatever that I would just like to say being engaged for seven years is like it's just a warning sign personally no judgment <laughs> and again I like you know there are managed timelines but I just being prescriptive to anyone in a relationship is like bad news but I engaged just like promising to do it for like seven years just maybe a warning it's a sign. long time yeah it's a long I, time all i'm saying i agree with you I, this whole, just the whole thing is is wild also um i guess i, I keep making that pun don't mean to um <laughs> i didn't even catch it that time um also the 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 sort of like sequential drops of info not only feels like it's a volley back and forth but also like there's a real rules of engagement that everyone's following. It's very old school, which is one of the reasons why I think I find this so exciting is I'm just like, this is occurring on terms that I also understand. And I'm appreciative of everyone's participation. <laughs> well, so that half of it is occurring on our like yeah. rules of engagement. And we're just following kind of the publicist releases every day in the blog like posts and the trading of favors. But I do think also there is also happening like on Gen Z internet, just like a huge, like, you know, reckoning around like Harry Styles. And some of it is just like Harry Styles. Why are you, you know, dating someone that isn't me? And I, there was a hilarious, <laughs> no, and I'm not, I'm like, I, I don't mean to, well, I guess I do mean to dismiss it. Who can even say anymore? Everyone's just trying to get by, but there was a daily mail headline that was like Olivia Wilde bravely steps out in jacket after fans harass her online for dating Harry Styles, which is just like, you know, the internet. But it, it's funny, again, I, I think there's a lot of Harry Styles discussion going on on the Harry Styles internet. Right. And then there's a lot of like Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis discussion going on on like, you know, 30-something internet, yeah. which like, yeah. here we are. Right. One, one group is interested in the current relationship and one group is interested in like who did what to whom and when. And I'm definitely yeah. in the latter. I love to litigate. Let's litigate a breakup. It's really fun. <laughs> oh my God. It's just a it's while. It's also the consumption of the internet and like stand culture and, you know, even how the information is getting out is like there, I, there's 10 years between them, but it might as well be entire lifetimes, certainly different internets. Yeah, Absolutely. I just, I'm looking forward to seeing who makes the next move in this one. I, I think it will be Olivia Wilde and Harry Styles. I think there's, there, uh, despite what the one just really disrespectful leaked report said, they are strategizing. Oh my God. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are there any other celebrity stories you were tracking in the last week that like falls outside of this, like basically what amounts to like 
Stan culture. All of these stories are kind of tied to Stan culture. Not really. I mean, uh, not really yeah. Kamala. Take that back. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to ask you about the Sex and the City reboot. Oh, great. Yes. How are you feeling? So we um, should say that after like some rumors, there is a Sex and the City reboot coming to HBO Max starring Sarah Jessica Parker, Cynthia Nixon, Kristen and, Davis. And Kristen Davis. Thank you, Charlotte. I'm so sorry. Um, but not notably Kim Cattrall. And this yeah, is the conclusion of like five to 20 years of very old school, like celebrity feuding of just that, that Kim Cattrall and the other members of the Sex and the City cast did not get along. So HBO Max show, the three of the four gals in their 50s in New York living and loving and learning and wondering. Go. I love it. Me I too. I love it. I will watch the show. I don't care if it's good. I will definitely watch. Um, I just like love getting old friends back. It's just sort of like going to a comfortable space. But moreover, I have no skin in the game in the fight between Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall. I'm not, a, I'm not partisan to either. I like don't really care about either. I don't care about Carrie. I don't care about Samantha. I always liked Charlotte and Miranda more. Always found them more compelling. Just more, more dimension there. That said, I just love this absolute like torching of the feud. I mean, it's over. Like Kim Cattrall has lost and I love that a power play has been made. And I just like, I, it's like, incredibly like Shakespearean. This is fantastic. I thank everyone involved for escalating and ending the feud to its natural conclusion, which is a reboot on HBO Max. And I love everything about it. I love the behind the scenes drama and I look forward to watching the show. I'm all in. It's great. Also, I'm glad there won't be any like facilitating of like where Samantha would logically be, whether that's in LA or like whatever. I just felt like there's too many story contortions for Samantha. So I'm happy about that. I agree with this completely. I can't say that I've followed the beef like on a day-to-day basis for the last 20 years, but I've always been aware of it. And I think in the context of everything else we just discussed on this podcast, it's like a pretty harmless situation. You know, it's wonderful. It's It's just wonderful. Sometimes coworkers don't like each other. Yes. Even within that, the media tried to make it like a cat fight thing from time to time. And that's unfortunate. But at the end of the day, like, it's cool. Honestly, you know what? In real life, also, a group of four people who are friends in their 30s or in one time period, it's unlikely that all of them are still friends 30 years later. That's just life. That's just how people and relationships work sometimes. So I'm okay with it. I hope everyone only has their feelings hurt like the normal <laughs> amount as opposed to an unreasonable amount. <laughs> Um, you know, well, there's just like, there's disappointment in, in life and love as sex in the city taught us and also in friendships and in financial arrangements. So I, like, I I hope everyone's okay. And I will watch every episode of this show within two days of it being released, whether it's terrible or amazing. I don't care. The quality could not matter to me. I feel in a lot of ways, you know, I spend a lot of time on the big picture having to talk about fan cultures that are not my fan culture. And sometimes I try to do it with grace and don't really succeed. And sometimes I'm not even gracious about it, <laughs> but I, like the fan culture came to me on this one and here I am. And I, accept. I know, I, know. I, I feel the same. I'm also just like HBO max is giving me a lot of what I want. 
and yeah. I appreciate it. It's great. Yeah. I'm, I, I love it. Um, I'm also like excited to like catch up with these characters, I have to say. So it's good. Like, I'm curious what color hair Brody Brady will have. That's your number one question. <laughs> he was a really bright redhead as a kid. I was, like, <laughs> I was just going to ask like a lot of things about, you know, do we know, has any of it been filmed? Will it be pre-pandemic, post-pandemic? You know, I, like... I do associate sex in the city with like a certain time in New York. You know, I watched it. I think I watched it in college is when I finally came to it. And then, and it was obviously formative in my idea of New York and moving to New York as it was for millions of women and often to the detriment of both the city (laughs) and those women, um, to the detriment of everyone except Magnolia Bakery, which I would kill for Magnolia Bakery cupcake right now. Like I just absolutely would love to have one, but anyway, I think if they have to incorporate the pandemic, I mean, you and I've talked about this before as taking the living in the pandemic and trying to take it seriously. I don't want content about the pandemic. I want escapist content, but especially for something like sex in the city. So tied to New York. Yeah. It's so tied to like some version of New York that I hope it can be that version of New York. I'm curious where they all live. I'm curious what jobs they do. Are they all still married? Like is Chris Knopf coming back? I don't know. If he's not, I'll be upset. I don't know. Although, you know, he was so wonderful as Peter Florek that that's also good for me on The Good Wife. Okay. Wonderful doing a lot of work there. Um, In the context of The Good Wife. I realize now that I think I've maybe seen Sex in the City too, but I have absolutely no memory of what happened. I never saw it. it. I never saw it. So I don't know like where the characters are in that journey anyway. Um, That's okay. I'm willing to find out. What powerful IP. Sex in the City is like just really potent. It's spawned a lot, like a lot. Two, uh, mm-hmm. The original show, two movies, reboot, The Carrie Diaries. It's like really impressive. Also, if you think about the role that it played in kind of HBO as a network, if you yeah. think about the role that it plays in New York tourism and like a generation of New Yorkers and, you know, the argument could be made that it ushered in certain aspects of Bloomberg, New York, which we don't want to endorse. But anyway, you know, it's it's it is a... Certainly a significant cultural force. Absolutely. Well, I'm, we're excited. Uh, this is the best reboot to happen in quite some time. I know, but I was just thinking about how we talked about the Gilmore Girls reboot like two episodes ago because you watched it. Or was it last week? Did you just rewatch last, that last, last week? Wow. It was so bad. But the thing is, I was thinking about it. I feel similarly. Like I actually was thinking about this in the car today. Before the reboot came out, we were like really anticipating it. And like, I'm still glad it happened. I still would like of the things that like are just absolute comfort. I like want more of being in that world. And I realized that the problem in the, in the reboot was the acting as I, as I actually have been making my way through it. The acting was really bad. The writing, if Alexis Bledel and Lauren Graham had been more on their, on their, uh, right. on their square in their rhythm, yeah, they would have been, it would have been, it would have been fine. Their acting was bad. It is kind of like a, a hard rhythm to, you, you have to be oh, in yeah. the rhythm. Yeah, yeah. There is that screwball element to it. I, I don't, I'll trust you on the writing because I haven't seen it any, in a while. I'm remembering a plot line about like Rory and a Wookiee. And, you know, that is, that remember. was tough. It's like some sort of uh, Star Wars conference that she Oh yeah, when she sleeps with him and she has her first one night stand. Yeah. yeah. You know, I like, I think the the true verdict on those is that I've only, I have only watched them once. 
and I have rewatched the other Gilmore Girls um, episodes many times. And I've rewatched a ton of Sex and the City episodes multiple times like that. You know, it's syndicated, but you can turn that on. And I've never rewatched the movies, really. So hopefully that the new series can get to the rewatch level. That's all I'm asking for. It doesn't have to be quality rewatch. I watch a lot of unquality things over oh, me and over too. again. Um, me too. We're fired up. Thank you, HBO Max. Um, mm-hmm. We'll be back next week, hopefully with happier stories. Who's to say? We got there yeah, in the end. We did. We did. Okay. <laughs> have a great week, everybody. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.